I really do appreciate the uh, eldership letting me come and, uh, and share this information with you. Um, if you're like me, you probably don't know a lot about it. Can I just ask a show of hands who, who knows something about the uh, amendment to the Constitution that's going to be on the ballot in November? All right, just uh, two or three, all right. Uh, I keep hoping that the next congregation I'll go to, everybody to raise their hands and say, yeah, I heard that. Uh, but I'm surely that'll happen uh, later on. But I do appreciate being able to be here with you. I would like to, uh, as I start to talk, pass these around and just pass them. What this is is a exact replica uh, of a 10 to 12 week old baby. And uh, I want you to look at that and see if you think that is just a mass of flesh or whether that is a baby. If you, uh, kind of like you perhaps, if you had asked me about seven months ago now, uh, what do you think about or what do you know about abortion in Tennessee? I would have told you that I do know Tennessee does abortions because we have to because of the federal law but that I believe Tennessee is a more anti-abortion state, and I don't believe we do that many abortions in Tennessee. What you're going to find out tonight is that's exactly wrong. And uh, I was shocked when I found it out, and um, then I got upset and angry about it, and then I decided I was going to try to do something about it, and that's why I'm here tonight with you and going anywhere I can go to tell about it. I want to point out as we start that this is a moral issue. Some people may think, well, that's a political issue, and you don't need to be talking about that in the church. Brethren, this is a moral issue. It's in violation of God's law and God's truths and God's morals, and we need to stand up for those things and, uh, and stand for him on any issue, not just this one. There we go. Because of what our Supreme Court did uh, in Tennessee now has a broader right to abortion than the federal law, Roe versus Wade law. Our, our abortion rights are broader than the federal law. Uh, I want to encourage you to be like a drop of water. That's what I kind of consider myself. You know, one drop of water, we had more than that this afternoon, but one drop of not water is pretty insignificant, ain't it? If it's, a, if it's a light shower and one drop hits the ground, in a few seconds it's gone. But if you add billions and billions of drops of water to that one drop of water, what do you have? You have a flood, can't you? So I want you to be a drop of water like me and spread this word to everybody you can. We need to spread it all across Tennessee. and We need to make sure that we pass this amendment in uh, November. And we do need help uh, doing this. If anybody in this congregation wants to do the same thing I'm doing and go to groups or, or clubs or other churches and, uh, and present this, I'll give you everything you need and help you get started. Behold. Children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Psalmist wrote in Psalms 127. The slogan is yes on one. We want to implant that in everybody's mind. So in November, you'll have on your mind to vote yes on the First Amendment. There's three amendments on this ballot. This is the first one that you'll come to on the ballot. So vote yes on one. And if I have time or maybe uh, after we dismiss, we're going to take a few questions. If I don't mention the others, uh, I will. Where we are now, did you know that Tennessee is now an abortion destination state? We rank third in the nation, third in the nation for the most out-of-state abortions, the highest percentage of out-of-state abortions, number three. Some abortion facilities in Tennessee are not licensed nor inspected. There's eight facilities, four of them are not licensed. 
it's nearly impossible for the people of Tennessee through our legislatures to pass meaningful legislation regulating or restricting abortion, and I'll explain why in just a minute. The abortion industry, primarily Planned Parenthood, that's the largest abortion uh, industry in the United States, uses Tennessee as an example to other states how they can support abortion at any stage under any circumstance without any restrictions because that's about the way Tennessee is. And we're in the middle of the Bible Belt. So they like to use us to other states. Look at Tennessee in the middle of the Bible Belt, Bible-believing Christian people, yet they support abortion. You need to be like Tennessee. We need to change that, change that. September the 15th, 2000, four justices, we have five justices on our Supreme Court in Tennessee, four of those justices changed our state constitution without the people's consent. How we reach this point? If you go back before 2000, go all the way back before 1973, some of you may not have been born back then, I'm not sure. Back before 1973, Abortion was left up to each state. Uh, there was no federal law. Each state decided whether they wanted to allow abortions or not. Tennessee banned abortion. We did no abortions prior to 1973. What happened in 1973? The United States Supreme Court ratified Roe versus Wade, and that became a law, federal law. So every state then did abortions after 1973. At that time, our Tennessee legislatures passed common sense responsible laws to try to provide protection and, and some uh, regulation on abortions in Tennessee for those that would be having abortions. And some of those laws were informed consent for women. That meant that a woman that went into an abortion facility had to be counseled on everything that was going to take place had to be counseled about the risk involved of what was going to take place had to be counseled about alternatives to this abortion. A 48 hour waiting period. That was so once she got that information she could think about it for 48 hours because this procedure is not reversible, it's permanent. So she needed to make sure about what she was asking. And then second and third trimester had to be done in a hospital environment. Planned Parenthood and the ACLU in 2000 sued the state of Tennessee, Governor Sunquist, uh, that's why he's listed, he was the governor. They argued that such laws violated the right to abortion inherent in the Tennessee Constitution. As we said, four out of the five Supreme Court justices in Tennessee found in favor of Planned Parenthood and the ACLU. Those laws that I just read to you were struck down. They no longer exist in Tennessee. There's no counseling, there's no waiting period, there's no hospital environment. At the same time, they decided that our Constitution which nowhere in it has the word abortion, nowhere in it has right to privacy, but that our Constitution now gives the woman the right to abortion in Tennessee. That's how they changed our Constitution. In 2002, they sued Tennessee again and won. And what they won that time was a requirement for abortion facilities to be regulated, licensed, or inspected by the Tennessee Department of Public Health. It's not a requirement. That's why four aren't licensed. They don't have to any of them be licensed. They're not regulated. They're not inspected by the Tennessee Department of Public Health. These uh, states surrounding Tennessee, the eight states surrounding Tennessee in the recent years have passed more stringent regulations and restrictions on abortions in their state. So women 
from the surrounding states, and not just the ones surrounding us, but from the surrounding states, come to Tennessee to get their abortion. <clears throat> they don't want to have to wait. Some states have passed waiting periods. Some states have passed stricter guidelines. They come to Tennessee. We have no restrictions, no regulation under any circumstance. They can go to an abortion facility in Tennessee, ask for an abortion, and probably about an hour later they can leave, having had the abortion done. That's how broad Tennessee is. You form me in my inward parts. You cover me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. <clears throat> as you saw from that replica that was passed around, a baby is a baby. The only difference between that baby in the mother's womb and that baby in a mother's arms is location. Location. They're both being nourished by their mother and they're both growing. Just location. It's still a baby. It's still a human being. What can we do? <clears throat> the one judge that did not agree with the other four, and matter of fact, he wrote, he said, I don't believe Tennesseans, that this is what Tennesseans want in Tennessee, and he would not agree with them. But he said the only way for Tennesseans to fix the problem is by amending their constitution regarding abortion. It's taken 13 years. That happened in the year 2000. This is the year 2014. It's taken 13 years to get this amendment on the ballot for the people to vote regarding abortion in Tennessee. We cannot ban abortion in Tennessee, but we can restrict it. We can regulate it. We can make it even safer for those who still want to have abortions in Tennessee uh, through our legislative process, and we'll talk about that. This is what the amendment looks like. It's what it's going to look like on the ballot. Starts out saying nothing in this Constitution secures or protects the right to abortion. What that's going to do is going to put our Constitution back where it was before the year 2000 when the Supreme Court changed it. It's going to make it neutral on the subject of abortion. Nothing in our Constitution then will secure or protect the right to abortion in Tennessee. It says nothing in this Constitution requires the funding of an abortion. Again, it's going to make it neutral on the subject of taxpayer funding for abortions. And that's going to prevent the next attack. The next attack is going to be Planned Parenthood believes that they can get Tennesseans to vote no on this amendment, and it will fail. When it fails, they're going to sue Tennessee again, and they're going to say, since your Constitution gives the woman the right to an abortion, and since Tennesseans have spoken and failed the amendment, if a woman cannot afford an abortion in Tennessee, a Tennessee taxpayer should pay for it, and they will win. And it says the people, me and you, retain the right then, through our elected state representatives and state senators, to enact, amend, or repeal statutes regarding abortion, including but not limited to circumstances of pregnancy resulting from rape or incest, or when necessary to save the life of the mother. Again, it's going to make it's going to take our Constitution back where it was before 2000. It's going to have specific language in it now regarding abortion in Tennessee. And we'll be able, through our elected representatives, to pass laws regulating and restricting and making it even safer for those that will still want to have it done. We can't ban it in Tennessee because of the federal law, but we can restrict it. 
those states surrounding Tennessee that passed more stringent laws and regulations, because of that, several facilities closed because they couldn't meet those new requirements. And I hope that happens in Tennessee. And that's what it looked like on the, on the ballot. It will be the last thing on the ballot. When you go in the voting box, the first thing will be all the governor and all the elected uh, rep people that you want to vote for, and then the amendments. And this will be the first one you'll come to. And the wording should be just like that. So when you come to that, make sure you vote yes on it. Yes, we want that amendment. I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. How does this work? There are over six and a half million people living today in the state of Tennessee. Not all of those people vote, of course. Uh, many are too young, and for other reasons, they don't all vote. But in the last governor's race, uh, 2010, there was over 1.6 million people voted in that race. We don't know in this race. But to make it simple, at the top of the screen, if a million people in Tennessee vote for a governor, don't matter how many people's running for governor, whether it's one or whether it's ten, they add all those votes together for a governor, and then for an amendment to pass, it has to have half that number. So if a million vote, we have to have 500,000 yes votes plus one. If we only have 500,000 yes votes and a million people vote for governor, it fails by one vote. It's got to have one vote over half. <clears throat> I really hope and pray, like my analogy of a drop of water, that we not only meet the minimum requirement, but that we flood, we flood this issue with votes. That we just have so many, I like to have more votes on this amendment than we have on the governor's race altogether. The bottom line is, don't skip it. Don't skip it. I'm guilty of that. I get in a voting booth and I vote for whoever I want to and then there's this stuff at the end of it and I don't know what it's talking about and I just skip it. Don't skip it. Let me plead with you. If there's nobody in the governor, if there's nobody on the ballot, a person that you want to vote for, you say, well, there ain't no sense of going. Go and vote yes. You don't have to vote for nobody, but vote yes on this amendment. Jesus said, you shall not murder. I don't know how we got to the point we are, not only in America, but in the world, to the point where we can murder innocent children. That's beyond me to, to imagine. It's here. You know, we have people that picket our state prisons when they're going to put a death row inmate to death to stop it. They have done so much to make that event and the best humane method that they can. If you haven't checked on it, and I'm not going to tell you about it, but if you haven't checked on it, check on it. Abortion is in no way humane. That's the most horrendous murder of a human being that I can imagine that there is. But yet, we let it happen. We let it happen. When the amendment passes, then our existing common sense laws that we still have in Tennessee will be protected from a constitutional challenge. We still have the ban on partial birth abortion in Tennessee. <clears throat> We're passing this amendment, that'll be protected then from being challenged by Planned Parenthood. 
We still have parental consent in Tennessee for a minor, although it only requires one parent, but we still have that law. That'll be protected from being challenged. Most of all, the rights of the people, me and you, will be restored so that our elected representatives can pass laws that would regulate and restrict abortion in Tennessee. Excuse me, let me get a drink. Right now, I said earlier that it was almost impossible. And the reason for that is because of what the Supreme Court did to our Constitution. Any laws that our, that our representatives bring up now to pass are automatically going to be challenged by Planned Parenthood and the ACLU because it violates our current Constitution. And they would probably get it overturned. So that's why it's almost impossible to pass any laws now. But with this amendment being passed and specific language then in our Constitution, they'll be able to pass laws restricting and regulating uh, abortion in Tennessee. And they're ready to do that. Right now, for the first time in a long time and just for the last few years, we have a majority pro-life legislature, both in the House and the Senate in Tennessee. Uh, majority of, of all parties, Democrat, Republican, or Independent, with the majority are pro-life. And uh, I, told, I told Beryl several times, I thought, you know, I think all this stuff comes together. Maybe it's God's providence at one time for us to have a majority pro-life legislature in Tennessee uh, for so many other things all coming together at this time. Maybe that's why it took 13 years to get on the ballot. I don't know. But they have bills already written for when this amendment passes to bring up and, uh, and to pass. This amendment passed, uh, uh, I've got the statistics in my, in my notebook here, but this, this uh, amendment passed to go on the ballot by a tremendous majority, both in the House and the Senate. Tremendous majority. So they're, they're all for it. And then again, regulations can be restored through the legislative process. So we can cease being a destination state cease being the third in the nation for the most out-of-state abortions. And then, like I said, for the health and safety of mothers and protection of the innocent. Even make it safer for those who still want to have an abortion, uh, at least having it in a licensed facility, in a facility that's regulated, and a facility that's inspected by the Department of Public Health. And taxpayer funding of abortion cannot be constitutionally required because our Constitution state that it does not support taxpayer funding. What you can do to help? Pray this amendment passes. I urge you to pray for it to pass, but you know, if you pray to God for something, inevitably, he puts a requirement back on us, doesn't he? If we pray to God to have the gospel spread throughout the world, doesn't he give us a requirement to take the gospel throughout the world? Pray this amendment passes, but then let yourself be the hands and feet of God to take this to everybody you know and explain it to them. Tell them to vote yes on this amendment. We need to sweep Tennessee with this amendment to pass. Tell all your friends. Uh, one of the brothers said he saw uh, something about this on Facebook. That's great. Uh, spread it by any method, any means that you know. There is an, uh, a petition in the back. In the back, I set up a table with some handouts uh, just to show you what they are. This is a handout that I made that kind of summarizes what all I've said on one sheet. This is a card by the Yes on One campaign explaining in brief. And this is a donation, uh, 
a donation envelope should you want to donate to the cause. Then there's a pledge sheet back there. If you want to sign that, that's fine. If you don't want to sign that, that's fine. Uh, it's just saying that you are going to vote yes on this First Amendment. And um, to let you know what that will be used for is when they ca uh, capture all this data, they may see that Putnam County is overwhelmingly going to pass the amendment. And they can put their funds toward another area that uh, is not so sure or maybe not pass it and put the money where it would be best used. And vote yes on the amendment. If you want to donate to it, it's not tax deductible, but if you want to donate to the cause, uh, please just put whatever you want in the envelope and fill it out. Address another envelope to the address at the bottom and, and mail it then, please. I don't want to be carrying your money around. As far as donating, the Tennessee Right to Life and the Yes on One campaign are totally and completely funded by contributions and donations. Contributions and donations, that's the only way they get money to do anything, while the opposition, Planned Parenthood, receives some contributions, but nationally they are funded by mine and your tax dollars. According, I looked this up just uh, yesterday. According to CSN News, January the 14, 2004, their F FY13 net revenue increased to a total of $1.21 billion. $540.6 million was from mine in your back pocket, funding Planned Parenthood. <clears throat> they are, I've been saying they're going to come into the state, but they're already in the state working. This is an article. You may have seen it. It was in, it was in the major cities' newspapers. But uh, if you notice there, they're calling those pro-life supporters as Tennessee Taliban. They're calling the amendment the Tennessee Taliban Amendment. And you see the picture up there of someone dressed up as a Taliban fighter with his foot on a woman. That's what they're depicting this amendment and the pro-life people as. And I can tell you, brothers and sisters, it will probably get nastier than that. But they're already, they've already, they've already spent like... Uh, way on up there in the thousands of dollars to run that ad in the major newspapers. They're already in our colleges. College is out right now, but the summer session is going to start. They've already infiltrated the colleges to try to influence those young minds to vote no on this amendment. Six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven are an abomination to him. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood. Proverbs 6, 16, 17. You know, there's nothing more innocent than a child, a baby, how much more innocent is a baby in the safest place on earth, the mother's womb, yet they're being murdered every day, every day. The slogan is yes on one. There's a, a, a website you can go to, and it's on the information in the back if you want to go to it and get, get more information. The reading that was given to us earlier was from Ezekiel chapter 22. says, the people of the land have used oppression, committed robbery, mistreated the poor and needy, and they wrongfully oppressed the strangers. So I sought for a man among them who would make a wall, the New King James Version says, make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it, but I found no one. Therefore I have poured out my indignation on them. I have consumed them with fire of my wrath. I have recompensed their deeds on their own heads, says the Lord. Looked for someone who would make a wall and stand in a gap. You know what a gap is. That's a break in the wall, isn't it? A gate 
uh, without a gate in it. Stand in the gap. That's what we need to do. This wall has been built in Tennessee with this amendment regarding abortion in Tennessee. And we need to be the ones to stand in the gap. Yes, you and me, we need to stand in the gap on this issue and on all issues. The Bible uses, has several in it, and you may think of some that I, that I don't use, and I was trying to look at the clock. I don't want don't to run too, too long. But like Gideon, if you remember Gideon, God used Gideon against the Midianites that were oppressing uh, his people. And if you recall the story in the Old Testament, Gideon was hiding, threshing his wheat when the angel came to him. And his response to the angel was, I'm the least in my tribe, and my tribe's the least in Judah. What's he saying? He's saying, who am I, Lord? I'm, I'm a nobody. How can I help you? And you may recall the story. He became a great leader for God, a great leader for God by letting God use him, standing in the gap, if you will. He used Samson against the Philistines, uh, and Samson wrecked havoc among the Philistines, which was God's purpose because the Philistines were oppressing his people. Deborah, the uh, woman judge and prophetess, if you remember, uh, one story about her was her commander of her army, Barak, they were going to war against the enemies, and he came to Deborah and he said, I'm not going to lead your army into war unless you go with us, unless you go with us. And she went with him. It's the only story I, I'm aware of in the, in the Bible where a woman went with an army going to war. But she did. She told him, you won't receive the credit, and he didn't. The credit went to a woman, another woman, as you recall. But Deborah is one that we can say stood in the gap. She went with her army and went to war. Great kings like David, and you can think of probably a lot of others. There were a lot of good kings. There were a lot of bad kings. David was a man of war, but God used David to bring peace to the land, and he did throughout the rest of his reign and the reign of his son Solomon. Josiah. Josiah was a king, a boy that became king at the age of eight. On his 18th year of reign, they, brought, they, they found the scrolls and they brought them to him. And they read the scrolls and Josiah realized that God's people were worshiping idols. They weren't worshiping God as they should have. And Josiah tore down all the idols. He abolished idol worship among God's people and brought God's people back to worshiping God as they should have done. And that happened, that, that kept on throughout his reign. Josiah was a good king. There's a lot of good said about Josiah, though. The verse in First uh, Kings uh, 25, I believe, uh, says, and I'll paraphrase, but basically says there was no other king before him like him and there was no other king after him like him. Uh, Josiah was one that really stood in the gap and brought God's people back. Joash wasn't so good. He was good, but uh, Joash was seven when he became king, and uh, he reigned with or under, however you want to look at it, uh, Jedidiah the prophet, the priest, excuse me. As long as Jedidiah the priest lived, Josiah also had the people worshiping God and following God and not following idols. But when Jedidiah died, Joash listened to the leaders and they went back to worshiping idols. But he was a good king while Jedidiah lived. Prophets like Samuel and Nathan and, uh, and Nehemiah, and you can think of many, many others that, that God used. Uh, Samuel was the one that the, had said the famous words to Saul that it's better to obey than to sacrifice. Uh, I thought we've carried forward even today. 
better to obey than sacrifice. Nathan's the one that pointed out to King David uh, his adultery and the murder that he had done. Nehemiah, I like Nehemiah because Nehemiah almost single-handedly was allowed to leave um, another country he'd been taken in as prisoner, allowed to leave and go back to Jerusalem and gathered the people together and rebuilt the walls around Jerusalem under very stringent circumstances. I believe the Bible says they had a spear in one hand and worked with the other hand because of the fear they had that they would be attacked. Nehemiah did that, brought the people together. In the New Testament, what about Paul? Paul talked to many dignitaries. He talked to, uh, to leaders, to governors, to kings uh, regarding the, the gospel. We know that's true. For Philip, Philip went into Samaria and preached the word. You know, the Samaritans were a people that the Jews uh, had nothing to do with. But Philip went to Samaria. It says many were converted. Stephen, think about Stephen. Think about Stephen and compare Stephen to your own life, if you will, as far as standing for God's truth. I've been one in my past haven't stood so much for things. I am right now on this issue, and I plan on standing on many, many more issues because I've been standing around my hands in my pockets too long doing nothing. I wonder sometimes if that had been me in Stephen's place standing up to those that he was talking to, if I would have been stoned. I'm not sure I would have been stoned because I'm not sure I would have stood up like he did. But we need to be standing up. Stephen stood up to them. He told them the truth. It cost him his life, but he stood up. All these people stood in the gap, if you will, stood up for God's truth, and it's time for us to stand in the gap against this evil and so many other evils. Like I said, <clears throat> As a, as a group of people in this whole nation, we haven't stood up. You know what they say when uh, to let evil triumph? Good men to do nothing, isn't it? And when God's people do nothing, evil's going to triumph that much more, isn't it? You can look at our country and see that right now, where we're at, where we're at. And we, I feel like I have allowed it to happen. Because I stood back and said, they took God out of our schools. And they allowed homosexual marriages. And they, you see, it's easy to say they did this and they did that. But who's the government in the United States of America? We are. We are. And as long as we don't stand up, it's going to run, uh, the devil's going to take charge of it. The writer of Proverbs says in Proverbs 24, Deliver those who are being taken away to death and to those who are staggering to slaughter. Oh, hold them back. If you say, see, I did not know this, that's where I was seven or eight months ago. I didn't know all this about Tennessee. If he says, see, we did not know this, does he not consider it who weighs the hearts? Does he not know it who keeps your soul? And will he not render it to man according to his work? According to his work. <clears throat> I didn't know this, but I know it now. And I'm going to try to do something about it, and I hope I'm encouraging you to do something about it too. Do you know in the United States, in 2012, there were 32,367 traffic deaths. That's about 2,700 a month. 2,700 a month. Nationwide. Do you know, for every two babies born, another baby dies in an abortion? 1.2 million babies each year, over 3,300 babies every day, one baby every 25 seconds. 
over 56 million babies since 1973, and that's just in America, not worldwide, just in America. In Tennessee, in 2011, there were 16,720 abortions in Tennessee, almost 1,400 every month. Nationwide traffic fatalities, about 2,700 every month. Over half of that in Tennessee are abortions every month. Like I said, what's more innocent than a child, or even more innocent, an unborn child? Paul said in Romans, talking about the unborn, referencing to Rebecca, he says, not only this, but when Rebecca also had conceived by one man, that even by our father Isaac, for the children not yet being born, nor having done any good or evil, for the purpose of God according to election might stand, not of works, but of him who calls them. Not being born, not having done any good or any evil. Totally, completely innocent. In the safest place on earth. Jesus said regarding one that would cause one of these little ones to stumble, it'd be better for him if a millstone were cast about his neck, he were thrown into the sea, than that he should cause one of these little ones to stumble. Let's all stand in the gap, if you will. One of us, if it got down to the minimum numbered required, one of us in this room might be that one vote, that one vote that we need to pass it. But I hope it's a sweeping vote. I'm praying it's a sweeping vote, and I'm going to do what I can to cause it to be. Jesus said in Matthew 13, 24 and 25, another parable he put forth to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field, but while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. We've been silent and asleep. I was asleep in 2000. I had no idea our Constitution was changed, but it was. I've been asleep on a lot of issues. We've been standing uh, asleep and silent too long, and it's time for the silent majority to become very vocal and holding up to the moral truths of God's words. Isaiah said when God asked him, who will go for me, whom will I send? You know, Isaiah said, Lord, here am I, send me. We need to be doing the same thing on this issue. And Jesus said in Matthew 5, 16, let your light so shine before men that they might see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. People see you're good. Do people know you're a Christian? Do people know you're a Christian? The people you associate with, you work with, you go to school with, do they know you're a Christian? How are they going to know you're a Christian? Except by your good works. That's what you say. That's what you stand for. That's what you talk about. That's the way you live. <clears throat> a young man told me uh, not long ago that he worked with a person for two years in college uh, a biology major for two years worked side by side in class out of class on projects the subject of religion was brought up and the other person said to him I didn't know you was a Christian is that us the people know we're Christians they'll know it by what we stand for I hope I've encouraged you to tell everybody you can about this amendment take all the handouts you want back there and give to other people and uh, let's spread this word throughout this area and all throughout Tennessee so that we can pass this amendment and take control of abortion in Tennessee through our elected officials.